Hallelujah. Can you tell it's summertime? Uh, we're looking at Hebrews 7. We talked last week about Melchizedek. I'm going to consistently use the Old Testament spelling uh, just, just to be consistent instead of using the New Testament based on the Greek. And so that's what you're going to see. When you see what's up here, it will not match what's in your in your Bibles because I'm spelling it with the Old Testament spelling. Now, last week we looked at two Old Testament scriptures, Genesis 14 and Psalm 110. And I explained why I have, over the last several years, changed my position about Melchizedek. That I believe, in fact, it's not possible, in my opinion, that Melchizedek could just be some guy that actually did have a father and a mother, but we just don't know who they were, and that, that kind of, which is the most common logic in scholarship. Many of my friends think it's a hoot to think that Melchizedek was a theophany, but I now do believe it. I'm convinced that everything Scripture says about him convinces me that he was not just an ordinary man, but that somehow or other God ordained it, that he, he would come as a theophany, and that is exactly who Abraham met. Now, we dealt with that, but the entire chapter 7 and 8 depend upon that conclusion or that discussion of who Melchizedek was, and we're going to continue it here tonight. And I'd like us to read verse 1 through 3 together. I'll read verse 1 if you'll read verse 2, and then we'll read verse 3 together, and then we're going to begin here in verse 4 with the overheads. But l- let me read verse 1, and then you can read verse 2. Here we go. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Read verse 2. To whom also first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also, which is, all right, let's read verse 3 together, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, tonight I pray that our hearts will be moved by the word of God, that we will find time for the word of God in all that we're doing. I pray that this church will be built upon the word of God and not just just some opinions of men. I pray that we will uh, make, Lord, your word prominent in our lives and the spirit, O God, and revival. Lord, they're the heartbeat of this church, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You're seated. Thank you. Praise God. Now, we're going to begin here, verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Now, chapter 7 and chapter 8 are going to give us 7. I'm going to begin here with number 1. If you'll look at this overlay, you'll see the the number 1 there. And we're going to read up to verse 6 here, and we're going to begin with two points in chapter 7 that are critical to understanding how the writer of Hebrews is using the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is based upon three verses. Everybody say three. 
three verses in the book of Genesis just uh, before God calls Abraham and makes him the father of many nations and makes him uh, the father of Israel and all of that. Just before that promise is given and all that God is going to do, he provided Melchizedek, and we have three verses telling us who he was. It's basically summarized there in the, uh, the first verse of chapter 7. And then he says, So now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils, that which means he does better than some apostolics do, who never take time to tithe, They never consider the fact that by not tithing, they are violating one of the most important principles in the word of God. That began all the way back there. You'll preach against homosexuality. You'll preach against immorality. And yet long before Sodom and Gomorrah, there was the principle of tithing and Abraham tithed unto Melchizedek. Gave the tenth of the spoils and verily they that are of the sons of Levi, which of course... Now that is shifting the focus from the priesthood of Melchizedek. Do do any of you uh, dislike saying Melchizedek? Would you mind just saying Melchizedek? (laughs) Some of you do dislike saying Melchizedek. (laughs) Okay, no, no. Okay, so we we won't say it a lot more, but I just want to be sure that, that you're with me here. And so verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, the Levitical priesthood, is the priesthood of the law. When Moses went to Mount Sinai, God said that you don't get a priest unless they're from the family of Aaron and from the specific sons of Levi. So it was known as the Levitical priesthood. Of course, that was long after this period of time. And so both tithing, now listen to me, both tithing and the ministry of the priesthood predated the law. Everyone say, praise the Lord. You will occasionally have people say, I don't believe in tithing, that's just law. Like they don't eat pork because that, you know, I eat pork because that, that's just law. Okay, that you, you can get away with that with pork perhaps, but you're not going to get away with it with tithes because tithing predated the law by many, many hundreds of years. And, and so it was. Now the writer of Hebrews is demonstrating verily or truly they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood. In other words, they, if you're a son of Levi, you're a Levite. You can be a priest. They have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. Everyone say, take tithes. All right. Now, a lot of you don't like us to take tithes. You'd rather give them than for us to take them. They have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. In other words, according to law, the Levites receive tithes. That is, of their brethren. In other words... Here I am a Levite, and I'm in the ministry. Therefore, I receive tithes of my brethren. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins. I would say, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. That is to say, now, so stay with me. So they're singled out, even though they come out of the loins of Abraham, and Abraham tied to someone else. How many are following me so far? Abraham tied to someone else, but they come out of the loins of Abraham. Now God has singled them out and made a special priesthood out of them. That's what we call the, the law of Moses. You could only be a priest if you had blood. You were in the bloodline of Levi. All right, and so it was. But he whose descendant, I mean, whose descent 
verse 6, is not counted from them. Can you, are you able to see that? Is that large enough? Uh, okay, someone did. If, as long as one person can see it. That, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so, but he whose descent, descent uh, here we go, we're going to get really fancy. He whose descent is not counted from them. So someone whose descent is not counted from the Levites received tithes of Abraham. That, of course, we're talking about who? Melchizedek. So we're talking about who? All right. They received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. In other words... Abraham, now think with me just a minute. Abraham is the most important name in all of Israel. There, there's no name greater in the mind of, of, uh, of the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, and this is the book of Hebrews. There's no name more important than the name of Abraham. In fact, chapter 4 of this very book, I mean, folks, it's unbelievable the, the, the sacredness and the sense of awe that one has. It'd be like when you in America you say Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or the like. You're talking about the father of the nation. And he had all of the promises. That is to say, Abraham was given the promises. He was the man God was going to use. Are you following me? Now consider what a great man Melchizedek had to be. For Abraham, the greatest name in all, and for this to just be someone that just slips out of uh, Salem and comes walking along and um, says, hey, give me some tithes. That just doesn't seem to work for me. And we don't know who his mother was, so he must have never had one. That, to me, is the most, uh, just doesn't seem to work. I mean, hey, I know a lot of folks, I don't know who their mother was, but I don't assume they never had a mother. I just don't start assuming, oh, he never had a mother then. Hey, I don't know who his dad is, he must not have had a dad. No, we typically think uh, they must have had a mother or dad, we don't know who it is. And so he blessed him that had the promises, and so Melchizedek, blessed Abraham and without contradiction let's read verse 7 together and without all contradiction all right and there you have it so we're summarizing our very first point that in Abraham the law bowed down to Melchizedek now that is a very powerful thing and so over the years I've I've come to realize wait a minute Melchizedek had to be I don't know we only got 3 verses and then you've got one verse over in Psalm 110 but when when you're talking about Melchizedek you are not just talking about somebody we just didn't know who his mom and dad were Oh, you know, I don't know if she was Molly or what it was, but he must not have had any. No, no, no. No, there's something about Melchizedek that you need to consider what a great man he was. And I'll tell you something else. We need to, folks, listen. We need to be obedient to the word of God. We need to listen to the voice of God. If Abraham, no, 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 no. I know you want me to get off of it. You thought last week we got away with not a single word about tithing and a whole chapter about it. And I just skipped right over it. I remind you that Abraham said to the king of Sodom, to whom he returned all these spoils except the tenth, I will not keep one thing. Now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not quoting Genesis, but 
um, I'm, I'm explaining it. And he said, I will not even keep a shoe lace. I'm going to say shoe lace. I think that's probably pretty close to what he was referring to. Which was a way of saying, I'm not even going to keep a part of anything. I'm keeping absolute. I'm giving the tithe because this is what I, this is so important. God is getting ready to bless me and, and God has blessed me through Melchizedek and I'm receiving. How many, how many want to receive a blessing from God? Anybody want a blessing from God? Hallelujah. And he said, I'm not keeping one. We would say in, in modern uh, uh, Atlantean, we would say, I don't, I'm not keeping a thin dime. You ever heard that expression? Thin dime? All dimes are thin. But you, you don't understand what I'm saying? You can't keep a fat dime. Just They're all thin. But I'm not going to keep not even a dime or a penny. Someone say, not even going to keep. I don't want a penny from. Don't, don't, even, don't even give me a penny. What you're really saying is absolutely nothing about that. Because I, he, Abraham said, I'm not going to let it be said that the king of Sodom made me rich. It will never be said. Now, what he had just done, he really made Abraham the most powerful man in all of the Middle Eastern world. He had defeated five kings. Just the story is amazing, but I'm trying to not go back to it too much. And yet he tithed. Listen, he tithed and gave the 90 percent away. And some people can't tithe and keep the 90 percent. And they wonder why God isn't blessing them. Now, folks, you listen to me. I'm going to say it. I'm going to move on. I'm going to meddle. If you won't tithe, you are telling God, shut the windows of heaven. I do not want that blessing. And that, my friend, is a mistake. You would be better off without God's tithe than to take God's tithe. You need to give unto God what is his And the tithe is his. It belongs to, it doesn't belong to anybody else. Doesn't belong to me. Belongs to God. And when we do, when we give freely, folks, I want to tell you something. I turned 60 last November and there'd never been a day living that I did not take my tenth and give it to God. If it's there, it's God. If someone gives me a $10 bill, a dollar of that goes in the tithes. I give every dime that God gives me, I give the tenth to God. I don't sit around, someone could, oh, over the fence, what, what about that? Well, you know, I, I, I got an inheritance, and my inheritance, and, the, and then the three of them died, and then four of them had the leukemia, uh, and they had the leprosy. And, and the, but what, do you, what about the tithe on that? What they, here's what they really meant. Why do I have to tithe on that? That's what they meant. Answer, if you earned it and you prospered from it, you tithe on it. If it's yours, you tithe on it. Now, when they call me and say, well, I got a cucumber, how much? You know, No, no, no. I'm not talking about your cucumber. I'm not talking about your cucumber. So you need to tithe. Everybody say, praise the Lord. That's good preaching. And without all contradiction, now we're back to Abraham. Abraham demonstrated by not just tithing, but receiving the blessing. Folks, listen. You don't receive a blessing from someone unless they're greater than you are. Or as the the King James translates it, better. But that's not really the best word. It's really the word superior. 
It is the Greek word that means the, the less is blessed of the superior. Now, better is okay. I'm not saying it doesn't mean better. I'm just saying I don't want you to miss the point that Melchizedek was superior to Abraham. And therefore, therefore we find the basis of the Melchizedek priesthood of which Jesus is the only. Melchizedek is the only priest, and then Jesus is after that order. And so... I think I've, I could, I think I could just say the Melchizedek was Jesus. He was the God of heaven that came in in order to open up the doors to a priesthood. How many knows that God can do anything He chooses to do? And that's what God, I want us to pray right now that God will make a way for us. Come on, Father, right now we need some miracles. I know the devil's fighting, he's trying to attack folks, but I believe that you are greater than any demon. Lord, you are greater than any circumstance that we face, and we thank you for it, and we praise you, God. Lord, we want your blessing, that's what we desire, and we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Now, I have gotten several calls, of course, people that say, well, he couldn't have been, that couldn't have been God. Oh, my goodness, how could God live, blah, 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 blah. And, and of course, those are questions that need to be answered. But there are far more reasons to believe that it was a theophany of God than the other way around. But now, if you think that I have all the, how God, like, oh, come on, tell me how God could do that. I don't know how God does everything. How many understand what I'm saying? I do not know how God does everything. How he becomes the king of Salem. Somebody said, hey, he couldn't have been the king of Salem. <laughs> no, he was the king of Salem. But he was also a theophany. Now, how he did that precisely, I can't say. I don't know precisely because we only have three verses. We were meant to know very little about it. We weren't meant to have every Folks, let me tell you something. It's time for us to have faith in God and trust God. Hallelujah. So Melchizedek, we don't know a whole lot about you, but we know that you were greater than Abraham, and Abraham was the greatest name in all of Scripture. And we have hundreds of Scriptures about Abraham, three about Melchizedek. For one reason, for us to see the priesthood that God intended, it was not a Levitical priesthood that was going to change the world. It was Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let's go back. Let me see verse... Uh, seven, all right. Uh, verse seven, oh, we got it. Verse uh, eight, here we go. Let's go to the next overlay. Everybody say, Praise the Lord. And I didn't realize it, but I put the new living, I did realize it, but I forgot that I used a new living. So just notice that I'm not reading the King James here. Uh, verse eight, the priests who collect the tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are. Everybody say greater. See what I'm doing? I'm not reading from the King James. I put the new living right here. I mean right here. So the priests who collect tithes are men who die. That is the priesthood of Levitical priests. They die. And he's going to come back to this several times. So, or therefore, Melchizedek, Hebrew spelling, is greater than they are. Which means what? Melchizedek didn't. Die. That's exactly what he's saying. Now, someone said, well, he did die. See, this is what I get all the time. He, he did die, but we don't know anything about when he died. How many knows that that is a difficult stretch in my mind? To say, well, he really did die. Everybody dies. Come on, French. Everybody dies. Yes, but 
The Bible says he didn't. It doesn't just say that we don't know his genealogy. It says he didn't die. In fact, the, uh, the New Living says uh, Melchizedek is greater than they are because. Everyone say because. Because. This house, and I'm, I know it's the New Living, but uh, still, still a legitimate translation. He lives on. Now, let's, let's look over at the King James, just because I can tell some of you are, are wondering about it. So let's look at King James. And here men that die receive time. But there he receiveth them. Now I can see why I use the new living. Here men that die receive tithe, which is, folks, you, you, you can't imagine that I'm skipping over this. The lesson to be learned from tithing from that verse right there is absolutely beyond belief, and yet I'm going right past it. But there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he what? He lives. So what's the opposite of lives? Died. If you live, you live. And if you don't live, you're what? You're awfully quiet. I would think that that, that, that multiple choice is so easy. If, okay, okay. Are there more options than that? If you live, you're, you're living. And if you're not living, you're... Okay, that seems like such a simple solution. If you're living, you're living. If you're not living, then there's just really one option. Uh, that, I mean, it doesn't seem complicated. And so it is. Now, of course, I, I can hear him right now. I can hear him, Fritch. How dare you think that this man actually was a, a theophany, lived on this earth, and that he was over there in Salem. But let me tell you something, folks. The reason I believe that God chose to do it is because he was establishing a priesthood that was going to change the world forever. He was establishing the priesthood of Jesus Christ that would be born of the, of the Virgin Mary. He was going to grow up a child. He was going to become a son of a carpenter and die on a cross and establish a priesthood. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That is going to change our world forever. And I've got news for you, devil. You are not greater. I don't care who you are. You are not greater than our God. You are not greater than God's word. God is powerful. I may be just a man, but I serve a living God that's alive forevermore. Praise God. Don't get me stirred up. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him a little praise. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now, verse 9. And as I may say so, which, of course, the, the way to say that in good modern English is, and I might even say, that's what the Greek is actually saying, and I might even also say, in other words, let me add this to what I've just said about Melchizedek. Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. How many sees that in the Bible? See that in verse 9? Levi was in the loins of Abraham, and the Bible said he paid tithes. Everyone say paid tithes. Now I can see folks bristling because, and I don't mean in this room, because I'm not just talking to you. I'm speaking the truth regardless if there are 10,000 people here. Abraham, I mean Levi, was not even born. But it can be said, you say, how dare you say it? I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Levi paid tithes. 
And he wasn't even born. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean it. I feel the Holy Ghost. Folks, when you're paying tithes, you're making an investment on an unborn generation. You're giving of yourself. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, Lord, I did not. You know my heart. All right, all right, all right, all right. When you tithe, you're making an investment of the unborn. It's exactly what it said. Levi paid tithes through or in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Mel. Kesedic met him. It would say amen. And so it is. Now let's go to verse 11. Now we're going to go to the second point, and that is that the point of all this about Melchizedek is that Christ is greater than the law. It wouldn't say he's greater. How many believe Jesus is greater? Folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. We're living in a, we call it political correctness, where you can't say that you must be saved. You can't say that, not in our culture, not anymore. You have to say, everybody's, hey, we're all the same. I doesn't make it. Use any bathroom you want, doesn't matter. We're in a culture that is so politically correct that we don't even know what we're doing. But I want to tell you, it doesn't change a thing. You still must be born again of the water and the spirit. You must be born again. You know, the communists tried this. They beat preachers half to death and in many cases did kill them, but that didn't stop the church. They kept preaching the truth. They kept loving the truth. Jesus Christ is superior to every God known to man. In fact, I'm going to say it like this. There's nobody like Jesus. Anybody love the Lord here tonight? Anybody feel like you just want to give him a little bit of praise? I want to give you praise, Jesus. You're worthy of the praise. Praise God, praise God, praise God. All right. Now, now we're the entire, listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. The entire chapter 7 and chapter 8. And I'm going to rush. We're trying to get through. We're trying to look at it. Is based on Psalm 110 and verse 4. Everything in it, the whole thing is based on not Genesis 14, even though what we previously said is you have to understand that. But the entire two chapters are based on what David prophesied in one verse. In one verse. Verse 11. Now, I wonder if we could do this. It's a long Verse and some of you are getting. I know you're. Uh, you you need caffeine, folks. They make it. And you can buy it in like capsules. You don't have to be drinking Colombian uh, coffee to get it. You can get caffeine if that's what you need. All right, now let's read verse. I wonder if we could read verse eleven. I'm just teasing, folks. I know it's not funny, but I'm just trying to lighten it up. Okay, now let's look. Read verse eleven together. Shall we? Let's read it together. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Because Aaron, of course, was the father of Levi. We know that. I'm just making sure that you understand. All right, so if we didn't need anything but the Jewish law, 
and the priesthood of Levi or the Jewish priesthood, then why, he is saying, did David prophesy that there was going to be another priest? Now look at verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, that is in the prophecy of David in Psalm 110 and verse 4, all right? The priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change of... That means that if you're going to change the priesthood like David prophesied, then you have to expect that the Levitical priesthood is going to be changed as well. The law itself is going to be changed. Now, before we're done, which will be shortly here, that doesn't mean that God abandons Israel. Everybody say Israel. Doesn't mean that God abandons Abraham. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. You're not convincing me that the church takes the place of Israel and Israel just goodbye. Let's blow them off the map. No, sir. No, sir. God does not abandon Israel, but he does change the covenant. He changes the covenant, and that's exactly where he's going. Now, let's look at verse 13. Are you ready? We're going to go now to the, uh, the Lord. On the, there we are. Now, we're going to look at verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken... Pertain it to another tribe. I would say another tribe. In other words, they got the tribe of Levi. Now we've got Melchizedek. Everybody say praise the Lord. Okay. But there's another tribe. Jesus was not, was not from either, uh, was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of what? Judah. All right. Of which no man gave attendance at the altar. In other words, no man from the tribe of Levi ever walked up to the altar and carried the incense and, and walked in with the blood and sprinkled. No, nobody from the tribe of Levi could even. David got criticized because he plucked corn on the Sabbath day. And he was a king. Jesus is from the kingly tribe. Verse 14. All right. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Of which tribe Moses spake what? Nothing. The Judah has not got one thing to do with the priesthood. So, and yet, David says he's going to be not only the king, but he's going to be a what? A priest, and how long? Forever. That's the prophecy of David. Everybody say forever. His priesthood's going to be forever. So I got news for you, friend. You may think who you elect, and that's going to change the world. Who you elect, I don't care who runs a government. They do not change the fact that Jesus Christ is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe it. And so that changes the need for the succession altogether. There's nobody. In other words, there's not going to be another priest. Never has to be because his He's the priest forever. So listen, listen, listen. If you're the priest forever, then you're never going to need another one, right? If you get a pair of shoes that never wear out, when are you going to need another pair? Well, Sister French, I'm not preaching at you. I don't want you to feel like I am. I'm not preaching at anybody. The fact that I bring up shoes, I'm sorry. Did I break a contract by bringing up shoes? Okay. Uh, I have a contract, and I'm breaking it. And I've got to go back. So let me rewind this and say, what was I going to say about shoes? Okay, so I'm not going to say anything about shoes. And uh, I'm going to keep my contract. But if you had something that never wore out, I can't say certain things. 
but let's say you had something and it never wore out, then you would never need to replace it. And so Jesus is, you say, well, he's just a man. No, he's not just a man. He's more than a man. He was a man, but he's more than a man. Folks, I want to tell you something. That nobody like Jesus never was, never will be. He's the mighty God. He's the God of heaven. Come down to us. He cares about us. Okay, now let's look, shall we, at verse 15. And we're going to look at the altar here just for a moment. And, of course, the, the angels with their wings spread in the background. We're going to read a few verses. I'm going to read verse 15, and I want you to read 16 and 17. And when the verse changes, then I change the color so we can tell that we're moving to another verse. And verse 15 says, And it is yet far more evident, for, in other words, it's even more clear than what we've just been saying about Melchizedek and Jesus. For that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Now you read verse 16. Here we go. Who? Not after the law of carnal commandment. Okay, keep going. All right. So the prophecy of David, I'm trying to remind you, that's where all this is coming from. says, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Praise God. Do you believe Jesus would have died? I'm just going to add, this is not. do Do you think Jesus loves you enough that he would have died for you? Would he have, uh, or does it, do you have to have like a billion people? How many people does have to be saved by the blood of Jesus before he would have shed his blood? I wonder what it would be. Would he, did, it, would, did he say, well, okay, if I can just get 15 uh, million or 15 uh, or uh, 7 billion people that uh, through history. See, I believe, and I know that God, how many knows that God knows the beginning from the ending? He knows the beginning from the ending. In fact, he knew uh, he knew what Calvary would be like. Of course he did. Of course he did. But uh, verse 16, who is made not after the law of carnal commandment, which I'm going to let that go, but after the power of an endless life. Not because he wasn't killed. He really was killed. He really did die an agonizing death. But his life was eternal. Because what did he do? What did he do to death? He conquered death. He rose from the grave. Praise God. That's why he's in heaven right now. Come on, devil. You listen to this preacher. You're a defeated foe. I may be a mere man, but I serve a God that made heaven and earth. That's who I'm serving. I'm serving God. And I love him. I don't want anything to do with your kingdom, old Satan. I do not care about your kingdom. I care about the king of kings who is my high priest. He's in the heavenlies right now. He has made a way for me. Now let's look at 18 and 19. Now follow me here. For this is verily a disannulling. In other words, Psalm, what David said in Psalm 110 is a disannulling, or I, notice I put there the word, it's a cancellation of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. In other words, the law, listen to me. Come on, come on, listen to me. Listen to me. You, you listen to this preacher. The law was merely 
a schoolmaster that was leading us and showing us that we're sinners and showing us that God was in charge of the universe. But it was never meant to provide our ultimate salvation. For example, how many knows that the blood of a bull could not take anybody's sin away. The blood of a bull could never remove anybody's sin. The law was, as it says here, weak and unprofitable. That is to say, if it hadn't been for Jesus coming along, hallelujah, somebody ought to give him some praise. If it hadn't been for Jesus coming along, the whole point of the law, the whole point of Abraham was that God was going to ha- he had a plan that was going to take care of sin. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. But the bringing in of the better hope did. That is to say what Jesus has done is making something perfect. That is to say, sin is going to be eradicated. How many are looking forward to getting to heaven, flying away and seeing Jesus? I don't care what you've been facing. Anybody ever fought a sickness? Anybody feeling like age is creeping up on you? Let me tell you something. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when there'll be no more sickness and there'll be no more dying and there'll be no more trouble and there'll be no more of this world's tears. That day's coming. Hallelujah, that day's coming. To me, it's, uh, folks, let me tell you something. Just live for Jesus. Live for Jesus in this world because the time is coming and very, very soon when he's going to take his people away. All right, now let's continue. By the which we draw nigh unto God. So through what Jesus did in the law, You couldn't even touch the mountain. In the law, a priest had to go in and and take the blood into a a temple. And and you had to stand out there and, oh, I hope, I hope. Did you know that the priest, uh, they would actually tie something to his uh, garment so that if God killed him while he was in the tabernacle, they could pull him out? Because nobody could even go into the temple. But he said, I'm going to make it so that not, no longer will I be in just filling uh, houses and, and, and buildings made of clay and, and, and mortar and gold and silver. But I'm going to make you the temple of the living God. And I'm going to fill you with my spirit. Folks, don't ever, don't ever forget that you were an unworthy vessel that God chose to fill with the Holy Ghost. In fact, everything you are. You know, in fact, many of you wouldn't even be where you are in, in, in the world. I'm talking about just in, if God hadn't turned you around. But when he turned you around, then things started really happening. You became a, kind of an upstanding person. And God began to bless That's why you need to give unto the Lord. You need to do and be obedient to him. And then, of course, you need to recognize that when he put his spirit in us, and let's go to the next overlay, when he put his spirit inside of us, then it was not because we were worthy, but it was because he was allowing us to feel his presence and to enter into the very presence of God, which is, by the way, the most important thing Folks, you don't ever want to be an Esau 
that can't even feel the presence of God. You, you don't ever want to get yourself in a place where you can't or get so bitter or get so uh, in trouble with God that you can no longer feel the presence of God. And some people actually, in order to be a sinner, they would prefer to not feel the presence of God, but that's because they never fully understood it. But once you've been in the presence of God, there's nothing like it in all this world. Can we just lift our hands and thank Him for letting us be a part of the tabernacle of God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're going to look at a couple things here, and we're going to uh, get right into chapter 8. Now, I'd like you to read verse 20. We're going to go, here we are, and it's all the same color. I'm sorry for that. And so it kind of runs together. But if you would read verse 20, shall we? And inasmuch as not without an oath. All right. Well, hold on. Okay, now I'll read verse 21. All right, so uh, uh, I think you get that. In other words... The oath, the prophet, it's calling it an oath here, but it's basically a prophecy that David gave that he's going to be a priest forever. That inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made a priest. For those priests, that is the Levites, were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear, that's Psalm 110, the Lord swear and will not repent Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, would you read verse 22? By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant or or testament. And, And therefore, I have here the main point of these verses is that Jesus is our guarantee. Folks, you, if you think you're going to make it to heaven and disobey Jesus Christ and you're going to, it doesn't, make, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to find out there's only one way to get to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other way to get into heaven because he made a way through his own sacrifice. Now let's go, shall we? Verse 23, I'm going to read 23, you read 24. We're going to move a little quickly. And they truly were many priests because... Everyone say because they truly were many. Everyone say many. They were many priests because they were not suffered or allowed to continue being a priest. In other words, why? Why why couldn't they continue being a priest? Because they had to stop and die. It's hard to be a priest if you're dead. And so there, there had to be many priests. But Jesus is not from that order. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, read verse 24. Here we go. But this man, because he hath an unchangeable priesthood. That is to say, and I put it right there because I want you to understand, that word unchangeable is the word that means permanent. In other words, it's a, it's a one priest. That's it. You're never going to need anybody but Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're bored with Jesus, then you are never going to find happiness. I'll tell you right now. If you need something other than Jesus, then you're in trouble because nobody can touch you like Jesus. Nobody can fill you like Jesus. Now let's read 25 together. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession 
for them. Hallelujah. I want to talk to somebody. Give me a second. I know I know some of you, you just can't stand it because, oh my goodness, but I'm, I'm not stopping until I'm done. Now, so he is our intercessor. And some of you today, you don't feel you're worthy, but I am telling you, I don't care what you've done. Jesus is on your side. I don't care if you're a murderer. I don't care what you've got or don't have. Jesus is your intercessor. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your money is. He's your intercessor. Now, some people say, well, oh, then I can do what I want. No, no, that's not the point. The point is that no matter where you are, when you come to him, he is able to save you to the uttermost. Can you say to the uttermost? (laughs) I love that. Now, I know the word uttermost just means to the full or to the complete. He can save you completely. He can save you. In other words, you, you didn't think you could do it. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad he showed you how to live and how to be what you ought to be? So he's able to save them. To the uttermost. Now let's keep going. Let's go to the next one. And then we're going to jump into eight. For such an high priest became us, or was, uh, became us means uh, fitted us perfectly, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sin. I'm in verse 26. And made higher than the heavens. Everyone say higher than the heavens. That is to say there never was a man that went from this earth and then just lived. He was he literally is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh, hallelujah, devil. You tried to stop him, but you couldn't stop him. Oh, hallelujah. You may stop me, but I've got an intercessor. I've got a God that loved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. He loves you. Verse 27, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for their own sins. In other words, they were sinners. So they had to offer up sacrifices for their own sins. And then for the people. But Jesus, this did he, he did once when he offered up himself. In other words, no more sacrifices because his sacrifice is adequate. Verse 28, let's read verse, it's the last verse of the chapter. Here we go. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. Can we just lift our hands and thank God for what Jesus Christ has done in our lives? Praise God. Praise God. Now, we're going to Uh, go right into verse 1. Now, if you would, read verse 1 and 2, shall we? Let's see if we're there. All right, let's read verse 1 and 2 together. Here we go. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. Everyone say, nobody like Jesus. Nobody ever, ever thought of literally being in the throne of God himself. I mean, here's a man. Someone said, he's just an ordinary man. No, my friend, he's not just an ordinary man. He's God with us. Hallelujah. Who is that baby I see there? That's God himself. Come. It is the son of God. But he is also, now let's read verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle. 
which the Lord pitched and not man. So in other words, heaven. Everybody say, I, don't, I can't stop because I want to read a couple more verses. Now look at verse 3. Uh, these, these we might could do. Could you read verse 3? Here we go. For every and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat to offer. Now I've got to pause because that's a little, a little tough there. In other words, if Jesus were a priest then he would have to bring gifts and walk just like the priests of Levi did. But look at verse uh, 4. If he were on earth, he should not be a priest. Are you listening? We're almost done, folks. Come on, let's get it if we can. If if he were on earth, which he's not, he's in heaven. Everybody say heaven. He's He's not a priest on earth. He didn't do his priestly work on the earth. It's in heaven. If he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Let's read five together. Here we go. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee. In the mount. All right. And then we're going to skip down. Now let's go to the next one. We're not going to read it. But how many can see the two colors here? So then he quotes Jeremiah 31. Verse 6. Now now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. It would say mediator. He has a ministry, that is, he's mediating. Well, someone, someone might say, well, how is he a mediator? Well, see, Moses, like how many remember when Moses, this is comparing Jesus and Moses. So here's Moses, and God says, I'm going to kill him. What did Moses do? He mediated and said, you have to kill me first. Don't kill him. He said, I want to I wanna just destroy him. Start over. Moses, I'll start over with you. And Moses became known as the great mediator. But I want to tell you right now, Moses, as much as I, when I shake your hand, I can't wait for the day. But I'm telling you right now, Moses, and you would, you'd be the first to concur that your mediation was minor compared to what Jesus did, which was established upon better promises. Verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, that is with the law, Jeremiah says, look at verse 8. I'm down here. Uh, da, 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 we're almost done. Here we go. So here it is, all this. I'm not going to read it because it's, I, I should, but I'm, I'm going to forgo it tonight. So Jeremiah said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. He says, I'm going to write it on your hearts and all that. I'm not going to read all of that. All right, now let's, so, so why would there be a new covenant if the old one was good enough? That's, he's, this is the second time he's used this same argument, all right? And so, of course, the reason being that the law could not do what Calvary could do. Are we there? Let's go one more. We've got two, two more and we're, we're done, all right? Uh, l- let me make sure I've got 13. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so just go to the word Calvary. All right, next one. Did I give you another one? Is there one more? All right, so 
at the cross what the law could not do, what Moses could not do. The enemy of our soul was defeated. And we were delivered. Praise God. You say, well, you know, folks, how many are thankful that you've been delivered tonight by the power of God? Praise God. Praise God. All right. So uh, the death, burial, and the resurrection and the ascension did for mankind what no Moses, no man, no law could do. That is the new covenant. Now, our last verse, let's stand. Let's read our last verse. Two things. We're not going to run out yet. Just let's read it together, and then we'll close with our last slide. Uh, Let's go back one. Okay, here we are, verse 13. Let's read it together. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first one old, not first one. I'm sorry. I'm adding that in. Let's keep going. Now... That which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And, of course, within a year or two of the writing of Hebrews, the temple was burned completely to the ground. And I'm not suggesting that's what that verse means. I'm trying to say that, in fact, the Jewish faith was now on hold in God's plan and he was now pouring the Holy Ghost out. And we are living in the last day outpouring. That's why, if you don't know why we're called apostolic and Pentecostal, it's because we believe the Holy Ghost is still available for anyone that is ready for it. Praise God. Doesn't matter who you are. Oh, hallelujah. Doesn't matter what you've done. You can be set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's carried that blood into the very heavenlies and he has purged it and made a way for you who is a sinner to walk through the gates of heaven. Can we just lift our hands? Can we just thank him for it for a moment? Father, I thank you for the covenant that you've made with my life. Lord, I know that I'm not all that I should be. I know that I'm walking every day, growing by faith, oh God. But you're getting us ready. Hallelujah. We're getting ready. Lord, I pray that our families will be ready. I pray that they will not miss heaven. Lord, don't let any of our loved ones miss, Lord, the gates of pearl. I pray, God, that salvation will touch our homes and that you will bring our loved ones into the fold. Praise God. Can we just bow our heads and I want us to, let's pray for our families just for a moment. We're going to be dismissed. Could you, how many, don't, don't look around. I, it, I'm not trying to get everybody looking. I just wonder if you could just lift your hand and say, Brother French, I have a loved one. I don't know what's, only God can help them. And I need you to help me pray for them. That's good. There's several hands up. Hallelujah. Could you lift that other hand and saints of God, could we pray for them right now? Could we just ask God to touch our families, our loved ones? Lord, not just that, but our neighbors right now. I pray for Jonesboro. I pray for the cities around us here today. Lord, you're the king of Salem. You're the king of righteousness. I thank you, Lord, because you have given us a hope. And Lord, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.